John chapter 3. Give me a thumbs up when we're live so I can share this. Hallelujah. Are we good? We are live on Facebook. Welcome, Facebookers. Why aren't you at church today? Huh? No, no, I'm joking. Come to church. I'm joking. I couldn't resist. No, we're so glad you are. You could join us online. We pray that you are blessed. I'm just going to share it now. Praise God. And if you can, that will be a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. The book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Spirit of the living God, thank you so much for being here. Thank you that you, you order our steps. You, are, you anoint us. You lead us. You provide for us. Thank you for being everything that you are. Tonight, I know that you are our teacher. And we need teaching. What, we need, what we're looking at today, Lord, we really need to learn it because it is so profound. And so tonight, as the one standing here, I am leaning on you to help me teach this. And I pray that we also have that spirit of understanding. I am anointed to teach. Your people are anointed to receive, to have that understanding. And together, we are anointed not just to hear your word, but we are anointed to do your word. Because we realize that wisdom is the main thing. So we are after getting wisdom. And in everything that we get, we get understanding. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. The book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3. It's so good to see so many of you show up at church. It's, it's wonderful. Um, because God is doing something. The Bible talks about how the people will be willing in the day of his power. And um, I'm excited. it excites me when people are hungry enough to come out to church midweek. Um, because God honors that. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. For those who are joining us, thank you for taking the time um, to join us as well online, on Instagram, on Facebook. We know that God will bless you. John chapter 3. So we've been looking at understanding this thing called love, what love means, what it means to be loved, and how to love. And Because Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 22, we're not going there for time, but in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says that the law of love is the main law upon which all the other laws depend. Every law depends on the law of love. All of life is governed by laws. And what Jesus is saying was that if you don't master the law of love, you cannot do well with the laws that govern life. In other words, you will somehow always fall short of the other laws that govern life. I put it to you. That everything that is wrong in our world today, everything that is wrong in our community, in our lives, with our relationship, has something to do with the absence of love as it should be fully expressed. Real love in its fullness. I put it to you that everything that will be right in our world, I mean authentically right, not in a plastic way, but I mean anything that will be really right will be a product or will be put right because of an injection of authentic love. Look at the book of John chapter 3. I know we all like verse 16, but let's start from verse 14. Well, you say, what? Is there a verse 14 in John chapter 3? Yeah, there is. There is. John chapter 3 verse 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, someone say, I believe in him. He says, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here we have Jesus. He's making reference, he's making reference 
to a situation in the book of Numbers chapter 21. Again, we're not going there for time, but make a note of it. You can read it when you get home. In the book of Numbers chapter 21, where the people had missed the mark with God, and as a result of this, they have this horrific situation. I want you to imagine this situation, and I pray that after imagining this, you will sleep well tonight. But imagine the horrific situation in the book of Numbers chapter 21, why, where somehow we have a situation where snakes are everywhere, killing everyone. Someone say, oh, Pastor, why did you do that? <laughs> no, no, he gives his beloved sleep, Amen. So look at it, but, but I want you to imagine this. There, in, in Numbers 21, no, I, because sometimes we read the scripture without actually being in it, without understanding the horror of the situation, and as a result, we always miss the medicine that, that is brought to resolve that situation. And so this is a situation, a horrific situation, where snakes are creeping through the camp, and literally there is death in the air. And death was the order of the day. It's a picture of the world we live in today. Apart from the grace of God, it's a, uh, apart from the grace of God, this world is a pretty horrific place if you don't have the, a, a, a hope in him. Without the hope of Jesus Christ, this world is no different to the camp of the Israelites in Numbers chapter 21 where there are these horrific snakes that are creeping around and death is in the air. Maybe you're here today and or watching online, and I, I, it could even be a picture of your marriage or a picture of your relationship, a picture of your career, a picture of your financial situation where bankruptcy is looming, a, a, a picture of your relationship with your loved ones. Something is booming. I'm not sure if it's this one or if it's that one or whether I should move back a little bit. But it, it's a picture of, um, it's a picture, it's, sometimes it can be a picture of some aspect of your life um, uh, is, it, is it this one? Praise God. Okay. Um, it, 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 it could be a picture of, of, of certain areas of our life. And Jesus is saying that in all of these areas, he says this, and this struck me today. I've never really thought about it. He says the son of man must. Everyone say must. must. Say it again, must. must. When, when you say must, there is an urgency. There is a... Listen, if we don't do this, that we're going to have a problem. He says, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what you are facing today. I don't know what horrific situation you face today. If you will look up and find Jesus, you will be saved. Amen? Regardless of what it looks like, how it looks, Jesus said that the Son of Man must be lifted up because if the Son of Man wasn't lifted up, then death in that camp will have the order of the day. And so Jesus was lifted up. Listen, Jesus has been lifted up. He's been lifted up on that cross like that snake was lifted up on the cross. He has been lifted up from the grave and because he has been lifted up, he was lifted to rob death of his power over you. Regardless of how horrific the situation is, the moment that Moses was able to lift up that snake, death was no longer the thing that reigned in that camp. Regardless of how horrific your situation is right now, Jesus has been lifted up, and because he has been lifted up, I'm trying to tell you there is hope for you. 
I'm trying to tell you that regardless, even though you don't know the answer, you don't know how you're going to come out of it, I still know that there is hope for you. Why? Because Jesus has been lifted up. Salvation has come. The Son of Man must be lifted up. And so the Son of Man was lifted up. And because the Son of Man has been lifted up, we have hope. Amen. Would you give the Lord a hand of praise for lifting up his son on our behalf? Come on, praise him like he really deserves it. The son of man must be lifted up. And so the son of man was lifted up. And because the son of man was lifted up, regardless of how horrible it looks with all the snakes that are looming around, you've got to know that I can still come out of this. Hallelujah. There is always hope. But in verse 16, we find the motivation behind the lifting up of the sun. Verse 16 explains why Jesus says that the Son of Man must be lifting, lifted up. If you are going to have confidence or have hope, and because the Son of Man has been lifted up, it's important that you understand behind the scenes. Why was the Son of Man lifted up? What is the motivation? behind the Son of Man being lifted up that gives you the hope that you have now. Because if you understand that motivation, then your faith, you know, the Bible talks about how um, Jesus Christ uh, anchors our faith, okay? Your, your, the, the depth of your revelation will determine the depth of the anchor of your faith, okay? The depth of your revelation, this is why revelation is very important. The, the clearer the revelation you have of Jesus Christ, the more your faith goes deep within the veil. Does that make sense? And, it, and it's, it's held in a strong place. So, so verse 16 gives us an insight. He says, he says in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Someone say, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So check this out. God sees the world in this horrific situation with all kinds of things crawling around and death being the order of the day. And in his love for you, he loved you and me so much that he says, I must do something. I must lift up my son. It is because of the love of God, the love that God has for you and me, that the son of man must be lifted up. Okay, why did the son of you, it's just like if you say, I, I must go, why must you go? Okay, the, the, Jesus is saying, I, I came, the son of man, I, I can't go back without being lifted up. Why, why was there that sense of urgency in his speech, in him saying, I must be? He didn't say, it would be nice if I'm lifted up. He says, I must be. The motivation behind that urgency is that God so loved the world. Amen? He loved the world, and because he loved the world, he says, my son must be lifted up. Here is where I'm going. It is the love of God that is expressed through the lifting up of his son, Jesus, on that cross that gives humanity the hope that we have today. Amen? When love is appropriately expressed... There is always hope of restoration. When love is appropriately expressed, there is always hope of re restoration. And so this is why we've been talking about love. We've been talking about receiving the love of God. We've talked about loving yourself. And we want to talk about loving others today because the law of love works by us being able to use or to do what God did. 
It is because of God's love for us that he was able to restore the way that he has re restored us. We can replicate, listen carefully, we can replicate the redemptive power of God in our world if we can learn to love others. Okay? Listen carefully. I said we can replicate the redemptive power of God in all of our lives if we can learn to love others. Okay? It's a huge thing. That's really huge. If we can learn to love others appropriately, we can do what God did in John 3.16. So we've spent the last three weeks, in many ways, I've been, all of what we've been looking at is building towards getting to this place. Because, because, because loving others, Galatians, I think it's Galatians 5 that talks about how if you love others, you fulfill the law. Uh, and so we spend the last three weeks or so talking about loving yourself. Get a hold of those messages because you will struggle if you don't love yourself. And, and I, would you help me give it up for Pastor Fiona who took, a, took it last week Thursday. Doing an amazing job teaching about boundaries and loving yourself. But we've been talking about loving yourself because if you don't love yourself, you can't get the hang of loving others. We're talking about becoming better lovers today. Amen. It's better than what you think. I, I posted on social media. As, as, as soon as I came up, came up with that title and posted it, I thought somebody's going to think Chido is talking about something. No, it's better than what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> so maybe some of you came to church today. Ooh. No, no, no. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, but it, whatever you were, whatever, uh, whatever, whatever kind of thing, this, it, this is better. That's what I'm saying. Tell anybody, it's better than you think. So look at this. As, as we talk about this today, you will find out that, it, 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 and, and we'll see, I'm, I'm really going to teach today, you'll find out why it's so important to love yourself. You cannot, it's not a cliche to say, you really cannot love other people until you get the hang of loving yourself. You can't effectively practice. All of the things we're going to talk about today are for us to practice because loving cannot be imparted by the laying on of hands. You don't get, nobody calls a prayer line to lay hands on you, amen. No matter, no matter what, you, you, bitterness and anger, all those things, you have to learn to get rid of them. Loving is, is learned. It's just like hatred is learned. Amen. Anybody who is prejudiced, anybody who hates, anybody, they learned it. Okay? And it's the same thing with loving. If, if, if we don't invest in loving, we miss the point. Write this down. The redemptive power of love is released in the act of loving. Okay? The redemptive power of love is released in the art, act of loving, the act, A-C-T, of loving. Because without a good understanding of how to love, you can have the redemptive power of love, but never experience redemption. Okay? Without, without, without a, an understanding of how to love, you can have the redemptive power of love, but never experience redemption. Listen. It would have done us no good if God did not know how to express his love for us by sending his son. If the scripture just said, for God so loved the world that he made the sun and he made the moon. God so loved the world that he gave us water to sustain us. 
God so loved the world that he gave us the ability to create art, to understand science, to enjoy music. God so loved the world that he gave us Nando's. God so loved the world. <laughs> Amen. God so loved the world that he gave us steak and chips. God so loved the world that he gave you whatever you eat, chikanda. Whatever. God so loved the world that he gave us some things you just kind of think about. And God so loved the world that he gave us the cold, the heat, the sun, the rain. God, if, the, if the scripture says all of those things, we will still be without redemption. Are you with me so far? Because all of those things are expressions of God's love, but they are not the expression that is required to bring about the redemption we so desperately need. Amen? So, 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 so what we're trying to do is that we are, we, what I'm really trying to say is that it doesn't matter how horribly wrong things have gotten in any particular situation, if we can learn to appropriately, everyone say appropriately, appropriately express love, we can, there is hope of redemption. Restoration is possible in every situation if we can learn to appropriately uh, express love. Many of us can be like God where we love, the world is in this place, there are all those snakes and all those horrible things going on, and we love, and so we create the sun. We create the moon, we create the water, we create all the wonderful things that people are enjoying, but none of those things are able to bring about redemption. And so sometimes we, we can be frustrated because I've done all these things for you, but still nothing is happening. What we need to learn is what is the appropriate expression of love that can bring about redemption. Are you with me so far? Because there is always, your wife might have cheated on you, your best friend might have betrayed you, your parents might have disappointed you, your children might have forgotten you. But regardless of the state of the relationship, if love is appropriately expressed consistent, consistently, restoration is possible. Tell your neighbor, restoration is possible. Our world can be restored if we learn how to love like Jesus loved. Because it is, it is his loving the world the way that he does that gives us the hope that we have. Are you with me so far? Everything is, it is possible to restore anything if we learn to love. That's what God did to deliver us from a destiny of death. He loved us appropriately by not just creating this beautiful world, beautiful world and leaving us to live in it. He creates all of these things, but he loves us in such a way that his love brings about the hope, the redemption that we have. Many people have love in their hearts, but are not invested or even interested in learning how to love. Okay? If you are choosing a spouse, I know this, is, this, this goes for every relationship. If you are choosing a friend, if you are choosing, looking for a covenant partner, somebody that you want to invest in, what you are really looking for is their ability to learn how to love you. If they are, no matter what they feel, most people are, are not lying when they say they love you. But I love you is not enough. Amen. That's why time is an amazing thing. Praise God. Because in time, we will not only know, you know, we, we will see how invested you are 
in loving me. Most people just enjoy the feeling of love. In fact, a lot of the times, the love that we feel, we express for the wrong reason. We express just to exercise the love we feel. That makes sense? Uh, th this, um, this, this, this October, you know, my wife's birthday, my birthday, this October, <laughs> I, I, we've been married nine years. I'm still learning how to love my wife. So on her birthday, I, I bought her something, okay? I bought her something that I thought she would enjoy. I, I, I bought her something that I thought is a, an expression of my, <laughs> of my love for her. I, I, and it was because the reality is that the motivation behind me buying what I bought was I love this woman, okay? But the thing is that she, she didn't... She, she, she wanted me to do something. I bought something, but what she really wanted was for me to do something. Amen. Amen. For me, I am easy. Just buy me something. That's okay. I don't need much. She wanted quality time, but I want, I, everyone say, I wanted this. Amen. This was my conclusion that, no, what we need, I don't have time for quality time. What we need... <laughs> some, of you, some of you miss that. Quality time for me is, you know, we're in the same place. Can you see me? Can you, I can see you. You can see me. We're cool, okay? We're happy. We're spending time together. You stay there. You, we don't need to talk. We just need to hang out, okay? Uh, but, but she wanted me to do something. I bought her something. Now, she still kept the gift that I bought her, but, but you know, <laughs> she's... She didn't return it or anything. She still kept it. But she wanted me to do something. I, I, how many of you know, if about this time next year, I still go and buy another gift, and I think, okay, maybe what I need to do is buy her a car this time. What have I done? I haven't learned that what she is interested in, she, she will take the car, but what she really, really wants is something else. She wanted me to do something. And this is a problem that we, we, we face in our relationships where we have ideas of what loving this person means, but we're not really invested in learning how do I love this person. And this is what we're talking about. Uh, it, it is the investment in the person that you are loving. Could it be that the redemption that we are seeking after in that relationship is just waiting for you to become a better lover? There are some relationships, some kind of, th that, are, that are twisted and all kinds of things are happening there. And, and sometimes the confusion is that, but, but I love them. And I know they love me. Then why do we hurt each other this much? We just haven't learned how to love. What you need to do is invest in loving. Okay? It would change everything. Invest in loving this person. Could it be that, uh, I, wonder, I wonder if the tone of that relationship with your child, the tone of that relationship with your brother or your sister, uh, biological or maybe a, a church, could it be that it will change if we invest in learning how to love. Amen? This is the calling of the believer. The calling to love is a calling to dedicate yourself to learning how to love. Okay? 
is learning how. It's going to take work. It's going to take practice. But if you love, this is the case. Amen. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. It's time to learn how to love. And nobody ever graduates from this school. Okay? Nobody ever graduates. As long as you are alive, you're going to meet somebody else. And, and sometimes, and this is what we do, particularly as Christians, we take the template that for loving Sister Jane, and we bring that template to Sister Shawoline. And we want to transpose that template to just say, well, I loved you in the same way. I bought you a coffee. What if they like tea? So, so in your mind, I'm showing love, but this person, she has a problem. No, you don't know how to love. Amen. It will change everything. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. Let's learn how to love. Facebook, tell them, tell, tell somebody we're learning how to love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to camp here for a little while. Because 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us how to love. Okay. So shall we do some Bible study tonight? Let's do some Bible study. I'm not going to preach. I'm going to teach. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to start from verse 4. I'm going to start. We'll see where we stop and, um, and, and pick it up next time if necessary. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. Please learn how to love me. Amen. Please learn how to love me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, Love suffers. Now, we know, I've, I've, in everything that we've been talking about, we know that love, everyone, in, 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 if you've been following us and even listening to us today, love is, whilst we can't define love in one single definition, love can also be defined. One of the ways that you can describe love, and this is the most common way that almost everyone knows what love is. Love is a strong emotion, okay? For God so loved the world. It's a description of how strong the emotion is. For God so loved the world. That's, God, that's the Bible describing how strong the love is. But then he goes on to describe the next part that is profound and, and, and important, that he gave his only begotten son. Every emotion, every affection is supposed to lead to a certain action. Okay, so, so, so when, the Bible, when we talk about love um, in 1 Corinthians 13, and you find the things that he's talking about, they are verbs, they are active things. They are not feelings. He's talking about active things because love is, is an active word. Okay, love is an active word. And so he says love, uh, and so what I, what I was trying to say is don't just think about the affection of love as we read this, like we do at weddings. At weddings, most of the time, when we read this kind of scripture, we just think about, oh, isn't it cute that love is? No, it's not just that. It's not the affection. It, it is the affection, but it is the action. So what, what, what I want you to focus on as we read this is let's invest in the action. That is where the power is. Okay? So, so look at this. Love suffers long, and love is kind. Love does not envy Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Let's stay here for, for a few moments and we'll see whether we can move on. That word, it says love or loving. Okay, so if I say, if we see love, we, under, we can say that what he's talking about there is loving. Okay, loving is long-suffering. 
okay? Love or loving is long-suffering. That word long-suffering means to be of long spirit, to not lose heart, to persevere, to bravely endure misfortunes. It is to be patient, to be bearing with the offenses and the injuries of others. It means to be slow to punish, slow to avenge. That one made me laugh. I don't know why, because, you know, we like to punish. But I'll leave that alone. Slow to avenge. It, it means to patiently endure. It's one thing to feel love for, one, for, for a person, but it's another thing to be long-suffering. Okay? If you are feeling love, the outworking, one of the outworkings of the love you say you feel for Jesus has to be outworked in long-suffering. Okay, the love you say you have for your spouse, for your boyfriend or your girlfriend has to be long suffering. The love you say you have for your children, for your church, for your whoever you say you love, it needs to be long suffering. If the love is not long suffering, we will never be, in, be able to engage the redemptive power of love. Many, many of us are not long-suffering enough, amen, in our love, we didn't wait, we haven't loved long enough to experience the power of love. Because love is long-suffering. Everyone say long-suffering. Love is persevering. Loving is, is being... The, the quality of your love, uh, uh, make the, write this down. Uh, I want you to, to, to make a note of certain things. The quality of your love will be determined by how long-suffering you can be. It doesn't matter what else you add into your love. If there is no long-suffering in this love, at some point, something, it, this will break. So the question, you know, and, and right now the question that's popping into your mind as I'm talking about long-suffering, which is bearing with the offenses and the injuries of others, okay? Did, did, you, did, you, did you get that definition? One of, the, one of the ways that, and this is a tough, tough definition, so I, I thought I'll highlight that one. One of the, one of the definitions of long-suffering is to bear with the offenses and the injuries of others. Amen? Some folk quick, quit too quick. Hallelujah. I love you until, <laughs> amen, but love is long-suffering. Love means I will bear with the injuries, and, and here is what's going through your mind now. How long is long? <laughs> That's what's going through all of your mind. Okay, 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 Pastor, I know. But how long is love? You should have come to the last one. Because if you love yourself, when you love yourself, that, that loving yourself takes care of that. I think Pastor Fiona talked about this last week, where one of, the, one of the features of loving yourself is putting boundaries in place. Amen? So, so this is why I said you, you, we've got to learn loving ourselves first. Because if we get that down... If we, if we at least understand that, all of the questions that are popping up in your head now, it is loving yourself that removes the insecurity that comes with long-suffering. Without, a, a, a lot of the time, we want the answer to 
How long is long before you learn how to love yourself? It doesn't work that way. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Are you with me so far? When we learn to love ourselves, then long-suffering, you know, you will know where the boundary will be. You can still put up boundaries, but still love. Amen? It is when you learn to love yourself that you will not be in a, be, feel the need to want to avenge yourself. Where you, you don't feel the need to want to retaliate. Every time you avenge, every time you punish somebody for the offenses or the injuries they put on you, I know we like to put it on them, it's your fault, but the reality is you were not loving yourself. Hello, does anyone want real talk today? Amen. The reality is, is that we are struggling with ourselves. Every time another person hits another person, the issue wasn't the provocation. The issue was your insecurity. Amen. People who abuse, physical abuse, will often say things, you made me do this. That is wrong. That is a lie. Nobody makes you hit another. It is your insecurity that has led you, your strong desire to protect yourself, even if it means battering another person to keep them in the place you want them to be. It is an absence of love for yourself. Amen? The Bible put it this way. It says, he who hates his wife hates himself. It starts with a hatred of yourself. I'm preaching good tonight. So look at this. Long-suffering is being slow to punish. It is, being, it is bearing with the offenses of others. And, 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 and I'm, uh, I'm talking about long-suffering as it is, and it's not easy, but the reality is that's what love is. It is bearing with, an, with one another. Jesus, they ask Jesus, how many times does somebody have to offend me before I can forgive? He says 70 times 7. It takes a security in Christ Jesus, a love of yourself to keep on forgiving. Because real love is to keep on forgiving. Hallelujah. Tell neighbor, neighbor, keep on forgiving me. Amen. Keep on forgiving me. It might mean, you know, I, I, and, and we, can, we can talk about this. It might mean that, you know, you would need to put some boundaries in place. You would need to stop some conversations. You would need to, but, but it is possible to do all those things whilst still being long-suffering. Amen. Slow to punish. Patient in bearing the offenses of others. Loving is being offended by someone but not feeling the need to retaliate. It is being offended but not feeling the need to punish. It is being, it is being you know, to punish them, is sometimes you don't retaliate, but you, you kind of announce your long-suffering. Amen. <laughs> you don't retaliate, but you don't, you, 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 don't, you say, it's okay. It's because I love you that I've been putting up with this thing for 12 years now. <laughs> Amen. It is because I love you. I love you so much. So don't worry. Let's not talk about what you did in 1982. Because I'm long-suffering. And, and what you're trying to do is, is loving, but still kind of put scripture on your vengeance. Oh, glory, glory, glory. We're all, neighbor, we're all in this together. 
Now, here is, here is what we must do as we read the scripture. We must not reduce the scripture to where we are. That's what the Pharisees did. That's the problem. So as tough as what we're looking at is, is tough for all of us. But it is the scripture. And there is the grace of God. In fact, patience or long-suffering is a fruit of the spirit. And so God is not expecting that you produce long-suffering from your flesh. He's expecting that we rely on his spirit to supply that gift of patience. Okay? So, so what, we, what we will never do when we approach the word of God is to reduce the word of God to say, okay, this is, where, this is, the, this is how long long is. Okay? That's what we can do. We can, say, we can, we, we can start to say that, that long is only if they did it 70 times 7. But Jesus didn't say that. Long is long. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so how long-suffering are you? How long-suffering are you? Again, it needs to be practiced. Everyone say practiced. You'll never become long-suffering by the laying on of hands. It will be by practice. It will be by constantly saying, God, I am out of patience. Can I have some more, please? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Don't pray deep prayers now. Just go to God. Say right now, Lord, I am at the end of my faith. You know the patience you gave me yesterday is finished. I need some more. <laughs> Amen. You've got to be honest with yourself because it's a gift of the spirit. What we do sometimes is you get to the end of your patience and you start looking for scripture to justify the nonsense you're going to do now. No, we're not going to, that's not love. Love is I'm going to be patient and if I run out, I'm going to go to the spirit of God who gives the gift of patience and say, please, God, help me with this woman, this man that you gave me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. How patient are you? Uh, now, now, I love this because it says, love suffers long and love is kind. Are you learning something today? So look at it. It says, love, love suffers long and love is kind. Someone say, love is kind. So loving is long-suffering as well as kind because it is possible to be in that process of being long-suffering and unkind. In fact, the longer you suffer, the more unkind. <laughs> the longer you suffer, that is why it is possible. It's not a matter of how long have you been married. That's not the point. Because there are folk who have been married for 50 years, but the last 30 years have been the meanest years. Because they have suffered some things long. You've picked up his drawers every single day. Suffered long, so you stopped making tea for him. Amen. But loving is long-suffering and kind. Again, kindness is a gift of the Spirit. So, if you run out of kindness, what do we do? Holy Spirit, can I have a top-up, please? <laughs> Amen? Because loving is long-suffering. It is bearing with their offense as well as being kind to them. Hallelujah. It is bearing with the fact that they've stepped on your toes again, but still being kind to them. If anyone is feeling like you need help, just put your hand up. I mean, I'm feeling the heat right now. Just, just put your hand up. Say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit 
I need your help. And actually, I know I'm saying that in a funny way, but this is what I'm calling us to dedicate ourselves to. Okay? Until we dedicate ourselves to depending on the Spirit of God for these, for these um, acts of loving, we will exempt ourselves from the power of redemption. There are relationships that will be turned around this year. I prophesy over you. That there will be relationships and the tones of your relationships that will be turned around this year as you go back. Because the problem wasn't your ability to love. The problem was that you ran out of patience. You ran out of kindness. And you thought that at the end of your kindness, this was the end. But what you needed to do was to go back and ask the Spirit of God to help you with kindness. Because there is restoration for this relationship. I have seen situations where the long sufferer becomes so unkind to the other person that they turn into an abuser because they hold the other person to ransom. It is your fault that we are in this mess. I put up with the mess, but you can't go anywhere anymore. I put up with the mess, and so you can't talk to anybody. Every time you, and that is not love, it's patience, long suffering, and kindness. Loving is being patient, long-suffering, and kindness. And it takes practice. It takes practice. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says, hatred, just write it down, write it down, or we can pop it up on the screen so you can see. I'm going to go for it because I want to move on to the next thing. It says, hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all transgressions. Amen. And again, here is what will happen as I say, cover all transgression. The insecure part of us is asking, what about that horrible one? Should I expose it? It is as we love ourselves that we find the security to know what to do about each one. Are you with me so far? So that's why we first invest in loving yourself. When you love yourself, when we are secure in our love for Christ, that, uh, in, our, in God's love for us, and we love ourselves, then all of these insecurities are taken care of. Proverbs chapter 10, verse, that was Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. It says, hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all transgressions. Proverbs 17, 9 says, whoever conceals an offense, check this out, promotes love. But he who brings it up separates friends. Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but he who brings it up separates friends. I don't believe, let me, let me just interject this here. I don't believe that the Bible is suggesting that we don't deal with stuff. Okay? Because you, you find later on that love or loving rejoices in the truth. Okay? So loving, to truly love, is to deal in truth. And sometimes the truth is that there are certain things that we need to go and report you to the police. Okay, everyone get that? That's the truth. So, but, uh, but, I, but I'm not going to sort of start, I don't, I, I'm not going to start laying down a law to say this is where, no. It starts, if you love yourself, you are receiving the love of God, we are depending on the spirit of God, he will help us with all those questions. Everyone get where I'm coming from? He will show you what to deal with, how to deal with each offense. He will guide you in what to do in each particular situation. Are you with me so far? So he says, love, uh, if you, uh, sorry, if we go back to, to 1 Corinthians, 
It's a good class today. First Corinthians chapter, chapter, chapter 13. If we, if we go back to verse 4, hallelujah. It says, love does not envy. Love or loving is not envious. That's another way to put it. Because again, that word envy is an active word. It's not, it, it's not a noun. It's a, pro, it's, a, it's, a, it's a verb, sorry. It says, love suffers long and love does not envy. So love is not envious. The Vines Dictionary says, that envy is a desire to deprive another of what he has, okay? Envy is a feeling of discontentment or resentment that comes with the success of another. It is possible to feel love for somebody but be envious towards them. Ask Uncle Saul, okay? Not my real uncle, you know the one in the Bible. Saul loved David, and the Bible says he loved David, and so he brought him to his house. But when, 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 when David, when the ladies started singing, Saul has slain the thousands, David 10,000, the Bible says he became jealous or envious of David. So envy entered in, and envy is the seed of hatred. Hatred is the seed of murder. So look at this. It is possible to kill your relationship because of envy. It is possible to destroy a relationship because you, you allowed that resentment that came about because of the success of the one you love. It is even possible for parents to destroy their relationship with their children because parents are envious of their children. Here you are, a single mother, and you've raised your child, and you were hoping that you would get married before, and your daughter comes home with a boy, and she is 25, and she's ready to get married. Look at his head. I don't like his hair. You're not going to marry him. Stop that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Envious. <laughs> and she can understand. You know, and there are times when mothers are seeing things that you're not seeing, so you ought to listen, because your mama is anointed. Amen. But, but the reality is, it could be envy, that discontentment that grips our heart, and every one of us feels it. It is a function of being human. It's something, it's just like, it's like it, there is no human being that doesn't feel envy at some point. It takes practice to get over that. Amen? It takes practice. If you still have this flesh, you will at some point, if you don't catch yourself, you will feel that envy or jealousy on the inside of you. It takes practice to overcome that. Envy is that little thing you, in you that wishes it was you when another person wins. <laughs> oh, brother Jude and sister, hey, just got engaged. Hmm, I wish it was me. I was looking at Jude. <laughs> Hello, put your envy down. Are you with me so far? <laughs> Love does not envy, or loving is not envious. Again, it goes back to receiving the love of God, loving yourself, because when you receive the love of God, when you love yourself, 
you will know that every time God does something in the life of your neighbor, what he's really saying to you is, I am in the vicinity, and this is how I treat people that I love, and because I have done it for them, I am announcing to you that because I love you too, I will do it for you too. That's what God is saying. But it only comes, you only see that when you receive the love that he has for you and you love yourself to keep yourself in his word. To know that I can rejoice with those who are rejoicing. When you win, I win. That's what real love is. Love is you get a job and I'm looking for a job. Praise God you got a job. God is still giving jobs. That's what he means. Hallelujah. We don't need to compete with one another. Every competition that we see in church or we see in our relationships or we see it's a product of not understanding how to love. Because loving means I see you win, I rejoice. Because the same God who helped you win, he loves me exactly the same way that he loves you. And if he can do it for you, he will do it for me. He might do it in a different way, but he will do it for me. He is working for me. Every time I look and I see God using people in phenomenal ways, I start getting excited because I know that God is still doing a work in our generation. He's still raising men and women up. He's still anointing people. So I go before God and say, thank God for what you're doing with that guy over there anoint me too Lord so what what I do is I because I'm going to be honest when I've struggled there have been times when I when I've can I be honest with you okay there have been times when there is a part of me (laughs) just a part of me okay I know it doesn't happen to you but it's a part of me that was hoping that it doesn't go as well for them Because if it doesn't go as well for them, it justifies. Amen. But I changed that. Because what I started to do was hear what Jesus says. He says, "Pray pray for those who you could call your enemies. And for those who despisefully use you. The moment everything changed in my life. When I started to see, oh my God, they are in the kingdom too. What they're doing, they're wanting the kingdom to win. Oh God. Prosper the work of their hands. Oh God, uphold what they are doing. I don't look at ministries that are doing, you know, and, and, and pastors are very, you know, can, can be very like this where, where, we, where you see, an, see another ministry. Can I just talk about my world for a second? You see another ministry that is thriving and you know, Ooh, what they're doing there is not the real thing. No, stop it. You're envious. Amen. Don't go over there. That word is, you're envious. And I, 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 I know God is working in all of us. What we ought to do if we see another person winning, oh God, would you uphold that? I pray for ministries. I look around and I see them succeed. I say, God, please keep this work. This is everything we are hoping that the kingdom of God will experience. So Lord, sustain this work. Prosper the work of their hands. I pray protection around them. I pray you bless their marriage. Don't allow any whippersnapper to step in and break that beautiful relationship. I want them, amen, we pray for them and uphold them. That's what loving does not allow envy to rest. Loving 
is making a decision to make sure that your heart is a hostile environment for envy. Say it again. Loving is making a decision to make sure that your heart is a hostile environment for every seed of envy. So that means the moment I feel a little something, for me, I start to pray for them. Amen? Amen? I'm not going to, that's why you can't come to me, listen, one thing you must be sure about, if somebody comes and tells, Pastor, this is what this person did, I'm going to ask you, how did you know? You know, I will talk to you about what you know and how you're behaving. Because, because I, I, I don't go for conspiracy. If it hasn't, I say to my wife, if it hasn't happened, it hasn't happened. If they've not said it, they've not said it. They've not done it, they've not done it. Are you with me so far? Because we're going to believe the best. I'm going ahead of myself now. But love does not allow envy. You, you, go read the book of, you know, um, Genesis chapter 30. In Genesis chapter 30, we have the story of Rachel and Leah. It's a messy story. What a mess. Rachel is jealous of Leah. Leah is, is envious of Rachel. So they get into this messy situation where Leah says, oh, well, you think your maid is finer than my maid? I'll give Jacob my maid. And Leah gives Jacob. And Jacob is over there saying, okay, then. <laughs> and, 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 and Rachel wake up and Rachel says, what do you think your maid can do? Listen, I'll give him my maid. And what a mess. If not for the goodness of God and the mercy and the grace of God that he can take even our stupidity and our weakness and bring out the 12 tribes of Israel out of that crazy situation, if not for the mercy of God, the things that we subject ourselves to when we allow envy into our hearts, when you start trying to kill your own seed because you allow, you start fighting your husband, fighting your wife. Your wife is earning more than you. And so instead of, I'm just going to look down, so instead of you just kind of <laughs> rejoicing, amen, there's nobody in this room, you on Facebook, no, it's not you on Facebook, instead of rejoicing, we, oh, you allow the envy, and so you, 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 to, to sit in, and before you know, you, know you, 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 you might be earning 100K, but look at how you look. Look, 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 at, look, no. Without me, you are, you are, no, no. You're not Jesus. You didn't die for anybody. Are you with me so far? But it's envy. Envy allows. Loving is not envious. Someone say loving, loving. is not envious. Loving. Please write this down. We'll close here because we'll pick it up next time. To get better at loving, don't allow the seed of envy to find a healthy environment in your heart to thrive. Okay? I've already said it in a different way. To get better at loving, don't allow the seed of envy to get to be able to thrive in your heart. Don't forget this. Every, you know, love, I'm um, sorry, envy, as I said, is a seed of hatred. Hatred is a seed of murder. Once envy, the reason the enemy allows the seed of envy to go in is because at some point he wants to destroy, kill something. At some point. You know, it might not be today, it might not be in two years, it might not be in five years, but it, it will always grow. Sin grows. Okay? So get rid of it. Tell anybody, neighbor. Get rid, get rid of it. Shall we pick this up next week? Yes. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you so much for everything you are teaching us. Thank you for 
before exposing and bringing out the riches in your word. Spirit of the living God, we are already aware that all of the things that we have looked at, we need your help with. Every single one of us in here acknowledge that. So we lean on you. We lean on you for those fruits of the spirit, the love, the kindness, the long-suffering, all of those things, Lord, we are depending on you. We are grateful that because we have you, we don't need to try and manufacture loving out of our flesh. We can trust your spirit to help us with this. We love you so much. Thank you, Lord, for making us better lovers. Thank you, Lord, that our world will not be the same anymore as we put into practice these things that you are teaching us. I'm praying for every relationship. I'm praying for every company, every church, every connection group, every serving area in this church, every friendship, every, every place that needs a dose of your love. I pray that that anointing to be great lovers that comes from you, Lord, it is our portion. We set our eyes on you. We keep our eyes on you. Teach us to be better. Teach us to love like you do, oh God. Thank you so much. We know all things are possible. and We extend our faith that as the time passes by, we'll get better at this, better than we are today. That is our expectation. And we know that you hear us and you respond because we are asking these things according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise if you believe. You are getting better at this. Amen. Let's come before God with our...